Hey, before we begin, a quick reminder that today's episode is made possible in part by the Todd and Stephanie Schnick Foundation. Find us at schnickfoundation.org. We hope you enjoyed today's conversation. Let's go, y'all. You are listening to The Foundation Podcast. Our goals are to help you build the foundation to live your best life, help solve problems, better serve humanity, and to become a beacon to help inspire change. We connect you with today's leaders, affecting positive and impactful global change. And now, here are your hosts, Todd and Stephanie Schnick. Welcome back to the Foundation Podcast. I am your host, Todd Schnick. Gosh, I'm really looking forward to this conversation. When I uh, started this show about a year and a half ago, I had longed to get someone from Shed Aquarium on this show. It's such an amazing institution, an iconic institution. And there's a part of what we're going to do today is start peeling back some of the layers. There's so much more happening there than most people realize. And that's frankly the main goal of, of today's conversation is to begin to talk about what really happens there behind the scenes. It's going to be a fascinating conversation. And everyone listening knows that a, a key foundational tenet to our foundation is rescuing animals. And it's not just rescuing dogs and cats. There's a whole nother realm to that noble effort. And we're going to get into that in a lot of detail today. It's going to be a great conversation. Let's get to it. We're joined this morning by Kurt Heisman. He's a supervisor in the Oceanarium Department at Shedd Aquarium. Kurt, welcome to the show. Todd, thank you so much for having me. Ah, The pleasure is mine. We met, gosh, I guess about a month or so ago at a Surge event. We're going to talk about Surge later in the conversation. And it was immediately apparent that you were the right kind of guy to get on the show to talk about what goes on behind the scenes at, at Shed, but also to talk about a lot of the rescue work that you guys are doing and, and what you have built pretty much your career on. So before we uh, proceed, however, take a minute and just tell the audience a bit about you and your background and the work that you're doing at Shed. Of course. So I started at Shed about 12 years ago. Uh, I started as an intern after I had graduated college. I uh, went to school and got my major in biology, interned at Shed, and then I've been here ever since. Luckily, I was uh, fortunate enough to get a job in our oceanarium department right when we were opening back up from a major renovation that happened in 2008. And it was kind of right place, right time. They needed you know, extra hands, and that's kind of how I got my foot in the door. I've worked with all the animals that we have here in the oceanarium department at this point. Our whales, our dolphins, sea lions, penguins, otters reptiles, birds, you name it. It's been an incredible experience, but that is also, as you kind of alluded to, it's been a great opportunity for me to kind of learn how to take care of those animals and then be able to help those wild counterparts that are in need as well. So overall, it's been a fantastic experience. Well, I didn't realize you were there 12 years. So that uh, speaks even more to your commitment to what the mission and purpose of, of SHED and and uh, frankly, all aquariums around the world uh, are are out there doing. So uh, I don't even know where to begin now. There, there, we, we could talk for hours about everything that happens, not only under your all's roof, but you have tentacles into projects that are frankly global. And I want to be careful about where I direct the conversation next, because we, we could go down a tangent that would take us an hour to get back to where I really want to go. So I guess the best way to take the next step uh, for you and I is, so the Oceanarium Department, 
Talk about that specifically and kind of what you guys do and what your main focus is. So we have, uh, throughout the aquarium as a whole, we have kind of two animal care areas. We have the main aquarium, which is all the aquarists that take care of the Caribbean reef and the wild reef and all the various fish displays that are up on kind of the main galleries. And then there's the ocean area, which uh, houses all of our marine mammals, our penguins. And then there's some additional animals that are kind of thrown into that mix as well. I mentioned we also have program animals, various reptiles, snakes lizards that we can bring out and get up close and personal with our guests that come to the door. We have birds of prey that a lot of people don't or wonder why we have them here in the building, but they're another great animal that's in our collection that connects our guests to not only our local backyard, but to also this uh, idea of rescue and rehabilitation because five of our six birds of prey are rescued birds. And so with our oceanarium, we, one, we kind of want to connect people to an ecosystem. Um, It's themed off the Pacific Northwest. So not only understanding that the animals that are in the water are important, but everything in the ecosystem kind of connects to the water. And so, you know, even when we talk about a raptor, a bird of prey, they rely on water and usually hunt near water sources and, or live near water sources. You know, reptiles are the same way. So everything kind of stems from where water sources are. And so that's kind of with our ocean area is a major theme that Everything in the environment or everything in the ecosystem is something that we want to showcase and display because everything is equally important, plays a role. It's, you know, it kind of show the environment as a whole, not just let's look at this beluga whale, but let's look at the beluga whale and the environment around it and the other animals that it lives with and kind of how they all tie together. And so we really try to connect our guests to those animals, to that environment, whether it's one-on-one encounters or it's presentations in our oceanarium that allow us to teach our guests more about a specific animal or just having standing out on the walkway and answering guest questions. So any way we can to connect our guests to the animals is what we do. Well, I think it's what you said there is really critical in terms of understanding the entire ecosystem. I think you can look at Shed or frankly, any aquarium for that matter, or any institution like a zoo. I think look at it from two different perspectives, right? There's the all right, it's a show place and I want to go there and I want to look at some really cool fish in a tank. I want to see dolphins do some neat tricks. I want to see some penguins running around. It's kind of neat to see kids get a kick out of that. It's fun. You can get some good videos that you can share on Instagram. And I think that's what most people think about when they think about going to their local aquarium or their zoo is that, all right, well, there's animals that they have showcased there that I can go see. And it's just kind of fun to see an actual X, whatever the animal is that strikes your fancy. But I think what begins to add some, and certainly what I'm learning, and I'm speaking to my personal experience, and that's, again, kind of my goal with this podcast is to begin to open up people's minds to there's a different way. A second perspective is understanding the whole context of the ecosystem, not not only of these animals, but also of what's going on behind the scenes at a place like Shed. So there's the public areas where you can go see reptiles, you can go see birds of prey, you can go see dolphins in the most amazing venue to see (laughs) see those kinds of animals. But what you won't see is all the scientists behind the scenes, all the research going on, all the work and all the areas where animals are being medically rehabilitated. And, And that's the magic to me as I've begun to understand the true scope of what Shed's all about. 
to me, that's the really exciting, magical part of the work that you do. I mean, I had the pleasure earlier this year to go behind the scenes and meet Cruz, who is one of the uh, sea lion, right, uh, who is actually a blind and was rescued in the Pacific. Uh, well, I'll have you tell that story in a second. Uh, but understanding all that that implies and everything that goes on behind the scenes to to work with Cruz and and other animals like that. That's an amazing thing. I mean, most people that walk in the main door to do a tour at Shed, they're, they're never going to see that kind of stuff. Talk more about all that, that culture that goes on behind the scenes. I mean, that's really, in my view, what's exciting about what happens at a place like Shed. Absolutely, Todd. And, and I actually would like to go back just a little bit, something that you had said about the guests that come in the door and they kind of come in to see a dolphin show and they want, there's an entertainment aspect of it. And it, that's certainly part of, uh, it's a, big thing in what we do. And the reason for that is that the entertainment is something that can connect our guests. And when they see a dolphin jumping 25 feet out of the air, they see a beluga whale making a huge splash. That can be that, that thing that connects them and say, wow, that animal is incredible. I want to know more about that animal. I want to know more about where it lives, what it does. And that's kind of that, that spark, that curious, what sparks that curiosity to get people to kind of know, to want to learn more. And so I just go back because I know we, uh, a lot of times we talk about the entertainment aspect of it. And it's definitely an important piece because that can be what that first switch that turns on and says, wow, that animal was really cool. But I go back to talking about the behind the scenes. And yeah, I mean, there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes as far as research, kind of even what's great about the animals that we have is the training that goes into the care allows us to get data samples, x-rays, blood samples, things that we can kind of contribute to a scientific community. And researchers in the wild, they would never have access to these things. They would never have the ability to get the consistent data samples from one particular animal. If they're trying to measure blood samples to see if an animal is pregnant, to see if where different hormone levels are throughout the course of the year for a breeding season. So the access that we have to these animals and the amount of training that goes into allowing us to have access to it really is what is an important part of allowing us to contribute to the scientific community. And then to kind of touch on the rescue and rehab, a lot of that, the knowledge that we've gained from working with the animals in-house at Shed, that's what allows our staff to be able to go out into the world, the wild, to help those animals in need. You know, you, you talked about Cruz. Cruz is an animal that was a gunshot victim on the West Coast of California. Um, he was blind. He was kind of disoriented. He was brought in to a rehabilitation facility. They did a full medical exam, realized that he was completely blind. And so they called on different experts to help take care of him, but also put out the call that saying this animal needs a permanent home. And so for a lot of animals that we have helped out in the wild, there are those that cannot be re rehabilitated and released. And fortunately, Shed has had the ability to call to give several of them permanent homes here at Shed. So that way they can be ambassadors for that animal species, for that ecosystem, for even kind of the threats that these animals are facing in the wild, whether it's environmental threats or human threats. Really just, again, great spokes, spokes animals for their wild population. And what I've also come to learn is that you... And I say you, I mean Shed, it's not this solo independent shop that operates independently of the world. There is this giant community of people 
that are connected and work together, right? So you guys have relationships with people at Lincoln Park Zoo and at Brookfield and other institutions all over the world. I mean, th- this is a tight-knit community that works together. And if a need arises, there's a dialogue that occurs where you guys can kind of brainstorm and share ideas. And, and if, if you guys can't care for a specific animal, there's probably an organization somewhere that can. I mean, there's a lot of dialogue. I mean, this is this is a, a globally connected community that's working together to advance all these causes, right? Absolutely. One of the incredible rescue stories that Shed has participated in recently was a rescue of 10,000 confiscated radiated tortoises in Madagascar. And so you can imagine, you know, someone with my background who mostly works with sea lions and birds of prey, that's not exactly my forte on how to go triage 10,000 tortoises. So there are the different institutions, they will kind of collaborate and you know, the kind of the call kind of goes out into the, the great open and anybody that's willing to receive that call can kind of jump in and help out. And Shed was able to send some of our vet staff to Madagascar to help out with these tortoises. They're one of our main vets went out there. One of our veterinary technicians went out there to, again, kind of triage and do the best they can to help this huge population of tortoises that were, from what I understand, basically all living in one little house. Oh. Just. 10,000 tortoises across the floor, covering the floor completely, crawling all over each other. It must have been quite the sight. And so to be able to have colleagues here at the aquarium that were able to participate in that is really cool. And a lot of it is collaboration. Uh, and I think about another rescue effort that we had where there's a wayward beluga in eastern Canada. And I was actually fortunate enough to participate in this one. And again, you talk about collaboration between different institutions. It was Canadian Fish and Wildlife, Shed Aquarium, Vancouver Aquarium, a number of different institutions. And Shed, uh, for us, our main kind of task in this whole thing was the transport of this beluga. Now, you talk about collaboration between other zoos and aquariums that we participate with breeding cooperatives with different zoos and aquariums. And so we'll move animals around based on what recommendations are for breeding and to keep a sustainable population going forward. So we're, you know, quote unquote experts in moving these animals. And so that was our job, our, our task in this rescue mission. And so collaborating with the Canadian uh, Fish and Wildlife that was, you know, netting this beluga that was hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of miles from where it should have been, basically found itself into a freshwater river around a peninsula, hundreds of miles away from the St. Lawrence River where it should have been. And so net this beluga, we were able to put it in a stretcher, transport it to a plane, fly it over the Canadian Peninsula to the St. Lawrence Seaway, and then release it into a, a pot of belugas that was where this animal should have been. But, you know, and Shed just had this one little part in this entire operation, which was really cool. It was a, <laughs> the trip itself was very quick. It was 48 hours from takeoff to touchdown from Chicago to Chicago for me, but it was very rewarding. And it's something that I can talk about for years and years to come. It was such a cool experience. Well, see, those are the stories that I don't think people think about or realize when they think of, again, we talked earlier about they come in to see a dolphin show and that's their exposure to something like that. Now, they, it's probably a magical experience, but they still might not necessarily think about what all happens to make that possible. You know, and you might see a bunch of young, attractive people in wetsuits kind of working these entertainments, but these are people that probably have extensive educations. Some of them are probably 
doctors, you know, I mean, talk about that. I mean, it's not just making an application to get a summer job at Shed. I mean, these are people who are going to devote their life to this and, and have gone through extensive training and continue their learning and education and, and research. I mean, this is this is a lifelong mission for people like yourself, right? Yeah, the work that all of our staff does, the experience that we gain, it comes from that day-to-day work with these animals and getting to know their medical histories, their natural history, what's important to that particular animal is kind of how we are now able to go and help those animals out in the wild. Now, for example, for myself, I'm the supervisor of sea lions and had that position for six years now. But when the first sea lion rescue that I was able to go to was a small facility out in Santa Barbara, California that needed help. And I was able to get there day one and basically jump in and kind of almost lead this entire rehabilitation center because I was still familiar with what goes into the care of these young, sick animals. And then it's the same thing, talk about the tortoises. Our vet staff knew exactly what to do. They don't need to be, they need to be coached through it, which, you know, somebody that's volunteering that doesn't have that background, doesn't have that experience, needs to be taught what the methods are, and they can jump right in. Our vet staff can. Also, to say the farthest that I've ever gone, travel around the world would be to Cape Town, South Africa, to help out with African penguin rescue. And same thing there. For us, we really go there and day one, jump in and you're helping to this daily care of 140 birds by yourself. So they do have a volunteer program, but their volunteer program is six months long of training so that at the end of the six months, somebody can do kind of what we can go do on day one. And so that experience and that expertise really helps those places out in times of need because they want someone that can come in and do the job at hand without them providing all that previous training. I've gone kayaking with your crew that's rehabilitating the river and bringing back native fish populations. And the goal there being, yeah, not just to help revitalize the Chicago River, and that has a, a storied history in of itself of the need for that. But the true goal there is what can we learn here that we can apply to other natural systems globally to improve situations there. It's a common tale, unfortunately, that a lot of rivers, a lot of municipal rivers like that need that kind of help. The work that you're doing with Lake Michigan and the Great Lakes for rehabilitation, conservation, and all that. Again, trying to learn things that can be applicable and help fix other problem areas around the globe. You guys also have a facility down in the Caribbean, right? Talk about that. That's not something people would think about when think about an aquarium based in Chicago, Illinois. That They have venues and research facilities in the Caribbean. Talk about what work goes on there. So yeah, we do have a research vessel that home ports in Miami and does a lot of research trips throughout the Bahamas and the Caribbean in general. Some of the research that goes on there revolves around conch, revolves around sharks. So a lot of things that are kind of the essence of what you see at the aquarium as a whole, we really want to find ways that we can help those animals out in the wild as well. You talk about the Great Lakes around here. There's a lot of freshwater research that's going on throughout the aquarium. Um, And that's really one of the great things about SHED is that it's not just rescue and rehabilitation of individual animals, it's research that goes into saving species. I mean, there's two really cool stories that you talk about in-house. There's the Blandings turtle, which is a freshwater turtle that's native to Illinois. That's an endangered species. There's a Head Start program that is in-house at Shed, where they will actually, the Illinois Fish and Wildlife will actually go out and collect eggs of these Blanding turtles, and they'll bring them in and incubate them, and then hatch them out in a controlled setting and get these hatchlings started. 
And then once they are to an appropriate size where they can release them into their wild environment, they'll do so. And so Shed Aquarium actually takes some of those hatchlings in to get them that head start. That way they can reintroduce them into the wild and to start to grow that population again. So it's kind of, again, you talk about not the public, not necessarily knowing what goes on behind the scenes, but how Shed is able to help, again, not only animals around the world, but even animals in our own backyard. That's just one story. And then there's another, there's a fish species called a Barron's Top Minnow that has a similar program where they'll collect eggs and kind of get these fish a head start in a controlled setting where they don't have predators, they have constant food. And then once they're of size to get released back into their environment, they'll do so. And again, it kind of gives this population a boost to hopefully onto the road, road to recovery. I was uh, on the same tour where I got to meet Cruz. We were walking somewhere. I think our host was trying to show us some of the rehabilitation components of the work. And we were walking down this random hallway and there was this tank in the middle of the hallway that had a bunch of turtles in it. And we were like, what is this? And I think that's probably what you were just talking about. It was now we're trying to learn some things. This is just all part of the research and the learning. And there's just a lot of that going on. Again, I don't think people realize all that happens behind the scenes. Talk about the front facing that most of the public will, will interact with is this amazing building with all these tanks and these amazing show arenas and all that. And that's the front facing. And as you said earlier, hopefully that lights a spark that gets a kid interested thinking, no, there could be, there's a there there and I want to pursue that. And I want to help these animals and I want to help the earth and I want to do all those kinds of things. Talk about that. I'm not talking about how people can help shed. We'll get to that in a minute. I'm talking about someone listening who says, I want to make a career out of this. I want to do what Kurt does. I love this idea of being connected to this community that cares for these animals and, and cares for our environment and all that. Talk about how you begin to get into a career like that. I mean, how does that all work? Walk us through that a bit. So for me, I went to school for general biology. <clears throat> it was always something that I was interested in. I didn't necessarily plan on working at Shed Aquarium. I grew up in the suburbs, so I was familiar with Shed growing up, came here on field trips, and I was kind of that quintessential kid that grew up in the Shed environment. Growing up, I always knew I wanted to do something with the ocean, whether it was research, whether it was living on a boat. <laughs> I just always, I all loved the ocean. And so when I decided to go to school to focus on biology and specifically marine science, people growing up for me were like, you're going to work at Shed. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not really sure that that's what I want to do. But after I graduated, for me personally, I was able to do the internship. And as soon as I got my foot in the door, I knew that that was something I wanted to do. So for people that are thinking about that this is a path that they want to go down, some school is important. Getting an education in biology or some type of animal science is important. Hands-on experience is equally as important. So internships, volunteering, anything you do to get hands-on experience and get a foot in the door somewhere. And then be open to where you want to go. And so I think for me, I was lucky that growing up in Chicago, Shed Aquarium was kind of that top-notch place to be. If you were an animal trainer or a zookeeper, things kind of just fell into place for me personally. And so not everyone has that same kind of that road. And so be open to getting a foot in the door anywhere because sharing that message about animal care and connection to the wild and the environment can be spread everywhere especially for our past like interns that are like, this is what I want to do. But there's only so many jobs available. Be open to where you go and just get started somewhere. 
Talk about the conservation focus for a minute, because that's, again, a whole nother realm to the work that you guys do. And again, that tight-knit community that you work in globally. But talk about that side of the work. I think a big part of that is spreading the word and helping people understand what they can do in their own individual lives to help make an impact. Because there's only so much I can do. There's only so much you can do. There's only so much SHED as an institution can do. Really, what it's going to take is a whole community kind of buying it. And so people ask, like, what can I do? What can I get started in? Because they may feel that their voice alone is not enough. And so there's things that there's certain forums that you can jump on. And one thing we kind of briefly touched on was a surge, which is an opportunity for people to sign up to get information on how they can help out more. It's basically this hub that allows you to get to know more about our planet, let you dive into ways to act and advocate. Also gives you tips on how to reduce your environmental footprint. Those things kind of help every each individual. And again, that as a community can certainly help out. Shed's had a long history with talking about reducing plastic use. So I'm sure you've heard our previous mission was Shed the Straw. And so reducing plastic use, know what you're using, how you're using it, find reusable items, save conserving energy. So I think a lot of it is education on knowing what you can do and what our community can do as a whole to make that bigger impact. Yeah, no, when when our foundation first got involved in supporting your all's work, when Surge was just getting off the ground. And so uh, we were gently encouraged to also get involved there. And it's been a lot of fun. You and I met at a Surge event. Mm -hmm. And and you're right, it is an education. And that's a big part of it. And to act and agitate, as you said, I love that. I'm going to steal that phrase. But that's kind of what we got to do, right? Building awareness. I've been fortunate that for the last 12 years, I've had a, a corporate client that was in water, wastewater. And so I've had this deep understanding of water and all that that implies. And most of us take that for granted and complain about our $60 water bill. When if you truly understood the scope of the problem around water globally, you would pay $1,000 for the water knowing what a precious resource it is. And so most people just aren't aware is the point of these issues and these things. Yeah, we all heard about climate change. We all understand the environment is threatened and we need to do more. But a lot of us don't know what that next step is. And we think, well, me alone, there's not much I can do. Surge is a great vehicle by which you can be kind of get your foot in the door, join an engaged and active community, do a little agitating, as you said. What's the best way to get involved in Surge? So for Surge, you can go onto the Shed Aquarium website. It's shedaquarium.org slash Surge. And you can sign up with your email and then you can get daily emails that kind of give you ideas on what you can do to help out. So what's really great about Surge is there's actually gives you an opportunity to find out ways to make your voice heard and to support conservation legislation with your elected officials, which I think is another thing where people say, well, I I can't be the one voice that makes a change. And but really you can. And again, if, if your voice and my voice and somebody else's voice all are saying the same thing, that can really really be what uh, evokes change. No doubt about it. And no matter who I'm talking to, whether it's related to hunger relief or whatever issue it is, everyone has that same appeal. You do have the ability to have an impact and an influence and your voice will be heard by those that need to hear it. So appreciate you pushing that. And again, that's one of the great benefits of the community that is Surge. It's a neat way to kind of activate all these people. Everyone cares about these issues. They just don't know what to do about it. And so that's the great thing about something like Surge is it's a way to channel all that enthusiasm for trying to do some good. And again, it just speaks to 
everything happening under that roof that people don't think about. It's, it's amazing. What's next for you? Looking ahead to Kurt and future projects and future endeavors. I mean, what do you guys focus on? What can we look forward to out of your department the next year or two? I mean, honestly, I don't know. You know, then that's one of the things that's so great about the position that I'm in is that you never know what's going to come next. We have a storied history with rescuing sea lions on the West Coast, otters on the West Coast, trips to South Africa, trips to Alaska. But one of the cool things about those is a lot of those are on a moment's notice. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> in 48 hours, do you want to go to California for three weeks and help rehabilitate some sea lion pups that are in need? And, yeah, absolutely, I do. You know, and so I think we're always just ready to rescue at any point in time. That's one of the cool things about it. I go back to a story of one of our sea lions that we rescued from the Bonneville Dam, which is the dam on the Columbia River, which separates Washington and Oregon. And 140 miles up that river, essentially, these big male sea lions are in the springtime, they're kind of feasting on this endangered species of salmon. Fish and Wildlife kind of stepped in to try to deter these animals from eating this endangered salmon since California sea lions are no longer an endangered species. But a big sea lion with a fresh, constant supply of salmon is very hard to deter. So some of these animals, they actually put on a permanent removal list and then remove them from the wild. Unfortunately, for most of those animals, that means they're euthanized. Several years back in 2012, we lost one of our rescues from that scenario here at the aquarium, which gave us room for another one. To talk about on a moment's notice, that day, I came into work at nine o'clock that morning just for a normal day. A half hour later, it said, your flight leaves at 530. You're heading to Seattle and you're going to be gone for the next seven weeks. You know, and so that kind of spontaneity is one of the cool things. Something can come across my desk during this podcast and I would have no idea about it a minute before. It's really cool. It is really cool. And let me say, I'm really glad that you guys are there to be on call, to be of service to those kinds of emergency situations. You know, I mentioned earlier, and I'll put a picture of him in the show notes of Cruz, the sea lion. What a, what a neat guy he was. I mean, and I got to see a bunch of his tricks and it was just really, he seemed happy and enthusiastic. It was, it was just heartwarming to see. And then when you know the story behind it, oh, it's heart-wrenching, but it's also a happy ending. And we're grateful that you and your team are there to do work like that. It takes resources to be yeah. able to amass a team of experts and professionals and good souls who are willing to go on a moment's notice, travel around the world to, to deal with these situations. And so for those listening who, like me, appreciate what you're all doing and want to help further support that work, what are some other ways people can support that work? We talked about surge, but how can people support SHED and that kind of work and enable you all to continue to be there to service these animals? So everyone that comes in the door helps to support our mission. Obviously, ticket sales are one thing that definitely can help fund our animal response team. Donations from either those guests or for you know people like yourself that are looking to help out with a bigger purpose, those certainly help out as well. So there's a number of different ways. Memberships are a huge part of what supports us. So yeah, there's several ways that people can get involved. In, and, it's again, not just, and again, what's the main website for Shed? ShedAquarium.org. Got it. Okay. And if anyone wants to connect with you, Kurt, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you if ask you any questions? So on our Shed Aquarium website, there's actually an experts page that has me listed on there and that has my contact information. So someone could send me an email they, if they have any specific questions to follow up with. Outstanding. Well, I uh, was talking to one of your colleagues and none of us wanted this pandemic 
to happen. But the situation, in essence, forced our hands to kind of learn how to use channels like Zoom and other things to get the word out there and educate and continue our advocacy for these issues. And so I think one benefit of the pandemic was uh, we've exposed a lot more people to the amazing work of SHED. And that's exciting. And our foundation is going to continue to work with you guys and continue to support things like Surge, but also to get behind and back some of the education and get more of these kids excited about what's possible here and what an exciting career it can be and world changing and not just saving these animals, but also, frankly, saving the earth. So with all the conservation work. So on behalf of all of us, Kurt and your team, thank you for everything you're doing out there and appreciate your devotion to this cause. Absolutely. And I appreciate all the support from everyone out there. And like I said, you never know what tomorrow brings and where we're going and where we're headed. And looking forward to that opportunity. Kurt Heisman, supervisor in the Oceanarian Department with Shed Aquarium. Kurt, once again, it was great to have you. Thanks so much for carving out a few minutes to join us. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Todd. Our pleasure. All right. Well, that's all the time that we have for today. Thank you for tuning in and listening. We'll look forward to seeing you again next time on the Foundation Podcast. The Foundation Podcast is produced by Intrepid Media and is made possible in part by the Todd and Stephanie Schnick Foundation. Learn more by visiting schnickfoundation.org. And thank you for listening. Now, get out there and do some good, and we'll see you next time.